You're listening to A Stranger Podcast, www.thestranger.com. If you're stuck in a relationship quandary, or if you're looking for sexual harmony, So a couple weeks ago, a few weeks ago in Savage Love, I ran this letter that apparently was a little controversial, and I'm going to talk about that for just a minute. There's this guy named Chad who has never had a girlfriend. Everyone thinks he's gay. He's pretty goddamn gay, according to all of his friends, uh, but he isn't gay. Says he's not gay. In fact, disparages gay people, insists that he's straight. Uh, and one day, one of this person's friends, one of Chad's friends, went on Grinder, which is the app that gay men use to find other gay men who want to be used. And this guy started exchanging photographs with this other guy on Grinder, which is what people do. And it turned out to be Chad. And Chad sent a face pic. And Chad is talking about his likes and dislikes around the homosex that Chad in person has always insisted Chad has no interest in. And here's Chad on Grinder, the gay pickup site, pickup app. Uh, talking all about the cock he's sucked and would like to suck and how he sucks it. And the, 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 this guy's friends, Chad's friends, wrote to me saying, what do we do? The question ended with, should we say something to Chad? Would letting him know he's been outed be the best course of action? Should we have a gayvention? Which is not a gay convention. It's a gay intervention. Uh, and, I, and I responded that Chad hadn't been outed. This, ha- this wasn't something that somebody had done to Chad. That Chad had outed himself by going on Grinder, by sending out his face pics, by communicating with people in his local community, because Grinder is a you know it finds people nearby about the gay shit he's done and would like to do. And I said that you know I compared it to what used to happen when I was young and gay and first coming out. You know there were closet cases. We were all young and gay. It was the eighties, uh, and there you know go to college and there'd be guys you would you thought were gay but they weren't out. Maybe they had girlfriends. Maybe they told you they had girlfriends, but they seemed pretty gay. They would give you the eye and you'd be confused because they were telling you they were straight, but they were really vibing gay. And then every once in a while, you'd go to the gay bar on campus and you would see that guy, that guy who told you he was straight, but was a little flirty, weird. Duh. Not only was he at the gay bar, he was at the gay bar with his shirt off, making out with some random dude on the dance floor, often drunk. Because what happened was the guy, you know, closeted, doesn't want to tell people he's gay, not ready to come out, but desperate for dick. And so he screws up the courage to walk into that gay bar. He starts pounding shots to keep that courage up and then winds up messy, a little bit messy on the dance floor, making out with the dude with his shirt off. And what is your obligation at that moment as the already out guy who's been lied to by this kid? And... I don't think that you're obligated to join him in the closet. I don't think you're obligated to be more protective of his closet than he is. I don't think you're obligated to pretend not to know what you goddamn well do know now. The guy is gay. And, you know, when that would happen, when I was at college, you'd see some guy who's closeted on the dance floor making out with a dude. This is what you would do. This is what we did. This is what the out gay guys did. You know, we would duck behind columns when that guy came in because we didn't want him to see us and know that we'd seen him because he'd be casing the room to make sure there was nobody at the bar that night that he knew. And then as soon as he was drunk and messy and making out of the dance floor, you'd just tap him on the shoulder and he'd turn around and you'd go, dude, welcome out. Welcome out. Hey, good to see you. That's it. And all you were doing is saying, it's okay. I'm, you're, you're okay. It's fine. Here we are. We're all gay. It's cool, man. That's what that meant, welcome out. And so what I advised Chad's friends to do 
was basically that. It was the sort of digital age. Al Gore invented the internet equivalent of the drunk making out on the dance floor with your shirt off in front of people. This guy went on Grinder. He outed himself. He, he stripped and basically outed himself. Uh, and I thought that Chad's friends, Chad's friend that he had the conversation with, just tap him on the shoulder, say, welcome out. Now, people have interpreted this as I'm suggesting that Chad's friends out Chad to everyone. And I'm not suggesting that. I'm suggesting that they make eye contact with Chad, that the guy who chatted with him and just say, hey, dude, it's cool. I'm gay too. Like, it's, it's all right. You can come out to me now. You did come out to me now. You outed yourself to me already. I know. You don't have to pretend anymore. This is not an outing. This is not brutally dragging some Ted Haggard closet case out of the closet against his will. This is someone has really taken those first steps out of the closet, tiptoed out, and you kind of caught him out a little bit, maybe. And maybe they're, you know, their dicks outing them. Because if anyone's outed this person, it's his dick. His dick outed him. Maybe it got it went a little further, a little faster than he might have been comfortable with, but now it's too late. You know what you know. Chad's friend knows what Chad's friend knows. Chad is gay or bi, or he's the kind of straight guy who gets off on gay male attention and goes on Grinder to flirt with people he has no intention of ever having sex with. That last option, which some people have floated in the argument about whether I'm being an asshole to this poor closet case, that is a possibility, but it is such a slim possibility. And even if that's what Chad is doing, even if he's just that rare kind of straight guy, Channing Tatum, who enjoys stripping or whatever because he wants gay male attention, he's not totally straight then. He's a little bit gay. There's some like gay part of him, gay exhibitionistic thing in him that he needs to come out about and has come out about if that's what he was doing on Grinder. So, you know, used to be back in the day, back before Al Gore invented the internet and ruined everything for everyone forever, particularly newspapers, that you couldn't get dick without risking outing yourself. You couldn't find any sex or romance or intimacy without taking those first steps out. And sometimes you took those steps out before you could get the word gay out of your mouth, before you were brave enough or together enough to say it out loud. You were screaming it with your body because you were walking through the door of that campus gay bar, maybe a gay bar three towns over because you thought that would be safer. And there you ran into somebody that you knew. And then you realized, fuck, I'm out now. I'm out to him, Right. What Chad has done is the digital era equivalent of that, of walking into that gay bar. He walked out onto Grindr, sent out his face pics, chatted with men, outed himself. You know, I, I respect that people come out at different paces. Some people aren't ready. Uh, everyone comes out on their own time. I think, you know, once you're in college, once you're out of college, uh, some people need a little bit of a shove. Uh, and that's not brutal necessarily. Some people get a little shove and they're tremendously grateful for it because they were just being chicken shits. Uh, but once you're out in a gay space, a gay bar, uh, making out with dudes, once you're out in a gay space online, seeking dudes to make out, uh, you have outed yourself and it's too late. You don't get to say to the gay men in your life that you know, that you encounter in those spaces, you have to pretend not to know what you know now to respect my closet. Because you know what? Out gay people, we don't have much respect for the closet. We have compassion for the closet head. We don't have respect for your closet. And you can't drag us back in with you.
This episode is brought to you by Squarespace.com, the fast and easy way to create a high-quality website or blog. For a free trial and 15% off your new account for six months, go to Squarespace.com and use offer code SAVAGE2. The Savage Lovecast is brought to you by WhereDidYouWearIt.com. It's a mobile website put together by Planned Parenthood, and we love Planned Parenthood. This website maps where people are using condoms. If you're out there having sex and using condoms, let the world know how smart, safe, sexy, and proud you are at WhereDidYouWearIt.com. Hi, Dan. I'm calling because I made the worst mistake ever as a girlfriend, and I looked into... My boyfriend's internet history. Uh, he's kind of an old-fashioned guy. doesn't really know how to erase it. And I wasn't doing it to see if he's been cheating on me or, you know, is starting a love affair or having Craigslist hookups. It's just because we had a conversation about porn, and he was really reluctant to tell me what kind of porn he looks at. And we're really usually pretty open with one another, and... We've done almost everything a guy and a girl can do together. So I went on there, and I've noticed, and and this is the only part that bothers me. I don't care if he looks at porn or, you know, masturbates to anything. But it's just the only porn that he looks at is anal porn with, with girls. It's only anal porn with girls. Not any other variety, just anal and we've done anal, like we do it probably about once every three months. Yeah, I'm just wondering if maybe once every three months is not good enough. I, like, enjoy the anal occasionally. Like, it's mostly just for him. But I'm wondering if maybe this is him, like, needing more of it. Or maybe he needs, like, a experience um, with maybe a man. So, I don't know. I don't know how to bring up this conversation. So, if you could help me out, that would be cool. You saw the porn, but I guess it falls to me to break it to you that your boyfriend really likes buttfucking. Your boyfriend really digs anal sex. Um, What kind of blows my mind about your call is you found all this buttfucking porn and it's all girls, it's all boys and girls having anal sex as God intended boys and girls to do. And you somehow get to maybe he needs to have an experience with a man as if gay, as if like buttfucking women is some sort of gateway ass hug to buttfucking men. Nuh-uh. Like a gay guy wants to have sex with other men, not just with assholes. Some of those men are assholes. It's true. But, you know, gay sex, gay identity, gay love, gay intimacy, gay romance, gay attraction, that's not just about buttholes. You know, it's not, as I've said before, you know, being gay isn't just like boy butt, girl butt, goat butt, doesn't matter, get me some butt, whale butt, horse butt, no. Your boyfriend's straight. He's interested, he's totally turned on by butt sex, anal. His top number one sexual fantasy. That tends to be what people go to when they're, you know, Reaching into the wank bank, <laughs> worldwide superhighway, internet porn, colossus, right? They're going to go find the shit that just taps right into that part of the reptile brain that makes their dick the hardest. That is 
taste in porn is pretty monolithic and yet his interest sexually when he's with you is much more varied. That's not some sign that you're doing it wrong or you have to do anal more. All that is a sign is like he enjoys all kinds of sex. But when he's going to rub one out, he goes right for the butt fucking porn. Doesn't mean anything more than that. Doesn't mean he's gay. Doesn't mean that you have to do anal more than you're doing it now. That somebody likes one particular kind of porn when they're jacking off doesn't mean that's the only kind of sex that they enjoy. You know, when he's with you, he may be eating your pussy. He may be going down on you. Oh, my God, he's not looking at any cunnilingus porn. Well, part of what he gets off on if he goes down on you, and I hope he does, part of what somebody who's doing that for you gets off on is your pleasure in that. And he may be really turned on by how turned on you are when he's going down on you. That's not something he's going to watch pornography about because that sort of feedback loop isn't there when he's watching porn. You know, he's watching cunnilingus porn and cunnilingus is in his like reptile brain, top number one jack off fantasy. Uh, that person he's seeing being eaten isn't you. He's not feeling any sort of special kind of arousal because he's providing so much pleasure to this woman that he cares so much about. So he's not going to watch pussy eating porn. He's going to watch ass fucking porn because that's his number one reptile brain jack off fantasy. Doesn't mean anything more than that. Nothing to be concerned about. And it doesn't mean he wants some man ass. Girl ass. If he wanted man ass, he'd be watching gay porn. Gay ass fucking porn. No gay ass fucking porn, no interest in man ass. Trust me on that. Hello, Dan. Dan, uh, Agent X, how are you? I'm a bi-identified 20-year-old male. You see, I need some help. I lost my virginity the other night. Yes. The problem is, I didn't come. We grinded, he blew me, there was a lengthy foreplay. All the elements were there, but my cock barely paid any attention. In fact, when I, when I tried to fuck him, I even went soft. Now, I didn't throw a funeral for my dick, I just focused on him from there on out. He didn't arrive either, but that likely had more to do with the fact that he was three sheets to the wind. Now, my dick works. It's delivered reliable performance for a decade and up to eight times a day if my schedule's open. So, what happened? What do I do? How do I become and remain, according to your advice, long, strong, and uh, down to get the friction on? As an aside, do you have any special tips for removing the uh, uh, backside bouquet from one's fingertips? I would your response with bated breath. I did realize that in this season of Downton Abbey, there were gay characters who were losing their virginity to Thomas the Evil Gay Footman. I need to keep up with that show or that there are bi characters. Uh, I'm going to assume that you're speaking like that either because someone dropped a butler on your head when you were very young or you're disguising your voice because you don't want your friends to recognize your voice. So you're giving us your best gay countess routine. Uh, listen, uh, ass bouquet on your fingers, wash your hands, soap and water. It works. Uh, it works. Um, as for, you know, your first sexual experience, not being able to climax, not being able to get off. That sometimes happens. You can make that worse by freaking the fuck out about it and assuming that you're damaged goods and it's never going to work. Or you can tell yourself, nerves got the better of me and outpaced my dick's ability to respond or you know my ability to catch a groove. Uh, sex with a partner is a little more complicated than sex in your head with and your right hand. Um, sometimes the first time you're with somebody, it can be difficult to climax. Read nothing into that, virgins, uh, if that happens to you. Any virgins who can hear the sound of my voice right now. If this happens to you, read nothing into it. Just relax. Take a deep breath. Have another go at it. And remember that when you're with a partner, 
I know the temptation is when you've never been with somebody else, like, oh my God, finally, I don't have to masturbate anymore. So you don't want to incorporate any self-pleasuring into partnered, your first big-time partnered sex. You don't have to stroke yourself or touch yourself. You That is a part of big-time grown-up adult sex. Everybody out there who's having big-time grown-up adult sex is touching themselves. Sometimes that's all they do. Sometimes grown-ups all grown-up and sexually active and quite capable of having like look-ma, no-hand sex. Sometimes those people are still touching themselves just for the fuck of it. Sometimes they're just having masturbation sex, mutual masturbation, just for the fuck of it. Sometimes they're just masturbating together, not even touching each other, just masturbating side by side because that's what they want to do. So my advice to you, caller, is the next time you're with somebody and you're having any sort of trouble getting there, use your own right hand. Stroke yourself. Get get a little more aroused. Kick in a groove. Get yourself rolling again. And then uh, – See if you can incorporate that other human being's existence into your masturbatory routine at that moment. And if they can't then take you over the over the foals, my lady, or whoever the fuck you are. Good luck. Hello. It's the Tech Savvy at Risk Youth again. This episode is brought to you by Squarespace.com, the fast and easy way to create a high-quality website or blog. They have hundreds of design templates to choose from, and you can customize any of the designs to fit your needs. And, and this is cool, they have iPhone, iPad, and Android apps for updating your blog on the go. And if something falls apart, they have online resources and a special support team to give you personal help 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. For a free trial, go to squarespace.com. Sign up for a free account. No credit card needed. Just try it out and start building your website. Then if you decide to purchase it, use offer code SAVAGE2 and get 15% off for six months. That's squarespace.com and use offer code SAVAGE2. Hi, Dan. Um, I'm a babysitter for a pretty wealthy family um, out in the Midwest. And I was watching their child, their five-year-old, a couple weeks ago, and um, she was told to watch TV upstairs in her parents' room by her mother. And her mom left, and I went upstairs because she was screaming, and it turns out she had somehow turned on the DVD player and was watching porn that her parents had made together. Um, and I quickly turned it off and got her out of the room, but she had, like, a lot of questions for me about what they were doing and sort of why her mother was being punished and things like that. And I still haven't told my boss. Um, and I'm wondering if I should. I It hasn't come out. Um, I think the daughter was pretty aware that she shouldn't talk to her mother about it. Um, and I told her that, it wasn't a big deal that she didn't do anything wrong because I didn't want her to get like weird about it. But I told her that we should like keep it a secret because it would not, that's not something that other people need to hear about. Um, I'm wondering if I did the right thing and if I should tell them. Here's a funny story. Years ago, uh, before everybody had a porn production company in their phone, potential porn production company in their phone, uh, my little sister, Laura, who I think was two or three at the time, walked in on my parents having sex. They thought they were home alone. They didn't even shut their bedroom door. Mom and dad uh, were doing it, as they say in course line. And Laura walked in, saw what was going on, turned around, walked out. They didn't hear her uh, walk in or walk out. She went downstairs, found my six foot four grandfather who lived in the apartment right below us in the two flat in North Chicago, 
and looked up at my grandfather, sweet as could be, and said, Daddy's beating up Mommy. To my mother's father, who then ran up the stairs, ran into my parents' bedroom where he discovered that Daddy was indeed not beating up Mommy. Uh, Daddy was going for kid number five on top of Mommy. Uh, Listen, you fucked this up in a very big way. Uh, we're going to keep this secret. We're not going to tell uh, because they might be upset. You have this little girl terrified that this secret is going to come out, terrified that she did something wrong. She did nothing wrong. She saw something she didn't understand. It wasn't – you know, my parents then had to explain to my sister what they were doing. They, you know, in age-appropriate language, mommy and daddy were giving each other a special aerobic hug, Right? Dumping up and down on each other. It's kind of a special adult bungee hug. But it wasn't – daddy wasn't brutalizing mommy. And Laura's fine now, not scarred by it in part because my parents talked about it with her and made her – made it clear to her that she hadn't done anything wrong. And they hadn't done anything wrong. Maybe grandpa had done something wrong by assuming my father was beating up his uh, eldest daughter when he wasn't. Uh, you need to go to this child and you need to go to her parents and you need to confess and you need to apologize Uh, When you started to say she was told to watch TV in her parents' room, I thought you were using this passive voice because you told her to watch TV. And then you got by her mother. You are not to blame here. I don't know why you're covering this up like this. Mom and dad fucked up, not by making porn. Mom and dad can make porn by leaving it in a DVD player and then sending a child into that room and saying, push random buttons until the TV comes on. They fucked up. They have to unpack this. They have to talk to this child. Five is actually pretty old uh, to be exposed to this sort of thing without an explanation. Uh, And you could really fuck this kid's erotic inner life up for years. You could leave her feeling very conflicted about sex and terrified of men, which isn't good. Uh, on the off chance, the likely chance that she is straight. Even if she isn't straight, you don't want her to be terrified of men or worried constantly for her mother's safety and to become increasingly estranged from her father because now when she looks at her father, she he, she sees someone who beat up her mom and videotaped it. Not so hot, babysitter. You need to go to mom and dad. You need to tell them what happened. You need to tell them that you panicked momentarily and you tried to fix it because you're just trying to be the competent babysitter Uh, And you realize now that you fucked up and they need to know what happened and they need to speak with the daughter about it. This show is brought to you by WhereDidYouWearIt.com. Safe sex happens. Now you can find out where it happened by going to WhereDidYouWearIt.com and looking around. It's like Foursquare for people who don't want a sexually transmitted infection. Use your phone or your car computer and check in your safer sex activities. Did you do it in a car, at the beach, in the shower, wherever? Think you're the only one who uses condoms? Probably not. Browse the map and see just how many people in your neighborhood are proud to wear protection. Check it out at WhereDidYouWearIt.com. Hi. I am a 34-year-old from the Northwest, and I heard your episode 272 from January 3rd uh, with Dr. James Cantor discussing pedophilia. And one topic I was hoping that you'd address was the perspective not of the perpetrator, but the other side, uh, what it means to have fantasies of being in the role of the victim. But I was really curious. I I feel like um, that role, the innocent role of being the young temptress, sometimes a teen or preteen, turns me on being taken advantage of by the older man. It's the power play and imagining the daddy role um, violating me. 
And I guess this can often happen happen for victims of sexual abuse. I don't think that I've had that experience myself, but it's that fantasy is still the key turn on for me, and it's sometimes um, really the only thing that gets me off. I feel guilty that my partners don't always know that it's going through my mind um, uh, when I have sex with them, and I feel ashamed about that. I wish this wasn't my fetish, um, but I'm wondering what does this mean about me, and is there a way, like, because I felt really guilty um, when I was hearing the show and thinking about the fact that that's in some ways my role of, of thinking about the power play of the young innocent. Um, and also, is, is there a way to let it go and not have it anymore is what I'm wondering. The only problem here is the guilt. Anything is permissible in fantasy play, even as they call it age play. You know, it's going to goob some people out, but anybody's fantasies are going to goob some people out. There's people out there with rape fantasies and that's very gooby for a lot of people, including sometimes the people with those fantasies who have to come to terms with them and come to grips with them. There are people out there with Nazi fetishes. There are people out there with you know, cannibal fetishes and, you know, unrealizable, impossible. And it's all about, you know, crazy human, you know, primate, ape shit, power dynamic, hierarchy, garbage. Um, that's basically what your fantasy is about. Also, you know, there's a moment in our young lives where we come into, the, you know, this dawning realization that we are sexual beings and that as our secondary sex characteristics kick in, we're attracting a new kind of adult attention. That period in our lives is terrifying and arousing in equal measures. Some people, no fault of their own and certainly not by choice, click on that erotically. It snaps into their erotic imagination and stays there. And they end up like you. Uh, they wind up with this kind of fantasy about being that – in that place again, being that young person just coming into their own sexually, just attracting this new kind of attention. You know, when you first were subjected to that kind of attention, uh, it might have been unwelcome. Uh, it might have been a little creepy and it might have freaked you out but it also probably turned you on in, in some way, the sense of – power, this new sense of power, you know, hopefully when you attracted that kind of attention, it wasn't super creepy. It didn't freak you the fuck out. It didn't terrify you. Um, you know, and it left you feeling maybe a little bit empowered and you want to go back and relive that part of your erotic inner brain, your erotic imagination wants to return to that time when you were just blooming, just blossoming into your full womanhood. And that's not a problem. And it's also not a choice. You didn't one day say, oh, I have to pick my elective sexual fantasies from this list and I'm going to elect for Lolita. You didn't pick it. The, the, the only thing that you know involves ethics or morality is how you choose to act on it, what you do with it now, how you incorporate this fantasy uh, into your life and you incorporate it in a respectful, uh, ethical manner. You only engage in this kind of fantasy role play with other consenting adults, period, the end. And then it's fine, whatever it is, so long as you're doing it with somebody who also enjoys it, uh, enjoys it only with you and only enjoys this kind of fantasy play with other consenting adults. We didn't used to have this huge hang-up about this fantasy either. We all used to sort of collectively understand what this fantasy was about. And it wasn't long ago uh, when you know you could go into uh, – 
basically you, you could watch goddamn Three's Company and they would be trafficking in the like innocent schoolgirl holding a lollipop sort of sexual imagery. But obviously it was a full-grown woman. They weren't trotting out people with adolescent bodies uh, to inhabit these sort of sexual role-play fantasy moments, right? Uh, they would invoke this shit and, and everybody sort of understood that this isn't about like raping kids. This is about recreating that feeling when you're on that, that cusp and we were all there and sort of enjoying that sense memory in your genitals about that time in your life. Uh, so, you know, sexy schoolgirl, cheerleader outfits, that kind of shit. We can't escape from it. It's so much more stigmatized now because, because of, you know, the culture's paranoia and schizophrenia around young people and their sexualities. You know, everybody who walks down the runway is a 14-year-old girl. Anybody who says, wow, hot, I'd like to fuck that, is a pedophile and a monster. And yet they're selling us everything with those 14-year-old girl bodies. And anybody who says is a monster, you're fine. There's nothing wrong with you. You have an age play sort of sex fantasy. Find other adults who want to indulge with you and let go of the guilt and there is not a connection between what you're interested in and the sexual exploitation of any actual children. Give yourself a break. Hi, Dan. I'm a 20-year-old gay male from upstate New York. I'm calling with a question about disclosure. I came out a few months ago and now I'm just starting to begin dating. But before I had come out, I had been with a couple of women and I had gotten one of them pregnant. So now I have a fairly young child who um, who I have custody of on certain days of the week. Um, my question is, when would it be appropriate for me to disclose the fact that I have a child to dates and potential relationships? Obviously, being a young gay male, it isn't entirely common for me to have a child, and it's certainly not something that many people would expect from somebody so young who is gay. So my question really is just when would it be appropriate to disclose this to somebody and how should I go about that? I remember when I was fucking girls uh, and had a pregnancy scare and I just thought, oh my God, you mean pretending she's Keanu Reeves isn't birth control? Pretending that was Keanu Reeves' ass didn't turn it into Keanu Reeves' ass, really? I dodged that bullet. Um you didn't. Not that I want to describe your hopefully loved child who's going to be part of your life forever as a bullet. But there you are. You got a kid. Love that kid. When to disclose? Promptly. Uh, it's not something, you know, some guy you know gives you the eye at the bar, sends you a drink, wants to have a chat. I don't think you have to put a hand on his chest and say, hey, hey, look, before I even take a sip, you need to know that I have a kid at home. Right? You don't have to do that. But it, it's part of who you are. And like in any conversation about – you know, when people are thinking about dating you, those relevant items come up for discussion. Uh, you know, where you work and what you do and what your plans are and, you know, what are you doing on Saturday? Well, Saturday I have my kid. My Your kid? Yeah, I had a, you know, messed around with a girl when I was young and closeted, got her pregnant and I have custody of my son or daughter a couple days a week. Uh, and, and any guy who then goes, <laughs> whoa, bye, is obviously not cut out to be your boyfriend. And so good fucking riddance. You need somebody in your life who isn't threatened by that, actually thinks it's kind of stand-up what you're doing, that you're helping to raise your child and you didn't just fag off and disappear when you came out. Uh, there are guys out there who will credit you and, and see you as a more loving and uh, sort of a better – you know, a more loving human being and perhaps a better catch for them as a partner. And there are guys out there who want kids so that you come with kids or kid and that your parental stuff, not just uh, – Fertile, but 
you know, parenting actually a couple of days a week. Uh, these are things that for the right kind of guy, the kind of guy who's right for you by dint of the fact that you have a kid will be uh, attractors and not repulsors. So just be honest about it in a casual, low stakes, low key way uh, and in an appropriate time. Like you could even like have a guy over once so he can have a little taste before he finds out about the kid. But if he walks into your apartment and sees a bunch of kitty stuff, He's going to ask and you're going to have to tell him, yeah, I have a kid. And if he runs screaming from your apartment, well, fuck him. He wasn't the right guy for you. Hi, Dan. I have a 23-year-old girl. Uh, I have a friend who recently got married and came out as bisexual right before that. And she put a status on Facebook uh, letting everyone know. And I was really proud of her. But the issue is that um, she has done it over and over and over again and various dramatic ways. And I think I think it's great that she's doing so great about it that she can share it with everyone. But I was talking to my mom about it, who seemed to have some concerns. And my mom is a great person. She's totally a Judy Savage, very loving and accepting. Um, but my mom is also a very professional person. And I guess when she was looking at my friend's Facebook page, who she has been like a mentor to, she thought that it seemed sort of emotionally unstable and thought that if my friend was the kind of person who had relaxed privacy uh, settings, that it might be a problem for her. Love you. We both love you. I, I told my mom that you suggested coming out on Facebook and how great it was. But uh, I just wanted to hear what you had to say about that. Is there is there too much? Can there be too much? Or is my friend doing the right thing? I'm not sure exactly what you mean by coming out dramatically over and over again on Facebook. I'm going to defer to your mother, the professional, uh, about whether this seems perhaps the way she's doing it on Facebook and continuing to talk about it in an aggressive way, if this would be a problem for her for you know, in future employment. That's something that your mom, as a friend, could say to her. You know, We love and support you. We think it's great that you're by and you're out and open about it. But th- these are things that if your privacy settings aren't well, you know, tended could cause you problems down the road. So you might want to like moderate the fury if it's furious coming out or angry coming out or whatever it is that's the, that your mom believes the problem is. You know, that's what friends are there for. Friends are there to like nudge you a little bit when you're doing – when you're going off the deep end. But if she's just being – you know, identifying herself as bi here and there, now and then, again and again, I don't think that that's – necessarily too crazy. You know, most bi people wind up with, and I say this and I get yelled at, opposite sex partners and disappear into presumed heterosexuality. You meet somebody who's a lady who has lady parts, who's married to a man who has man parts. And the automatic default assumption is that that is a straight lady. I make that assumption. Even I, king cocksucker of the universe, make that assumption. Um, it really does – the onus falls on bi people who do not want to disappear into presumed heterosexuality if they have opposite sex partners or presumed homosexuality if they have same-sex partners to continually out themselves. It really is the very special cross that bisexual people who have partnered up, unless they're poly, have to bear. They have to continue to self-identify as bi or they will be presumed straight or gay. So I don't necessarily have a problem with your friend occasionally mentioning it. We're in a conversation. You know, she came out shortly before she married an opposite sex partner and maybe she just really feels like she has to for right now at this point in her life make sure everybody knows because she doesn't – she resents the assumption that she's straight, that everyone's making out because she's married to a person with a dick. 
And so she's being a little uh, rainbow flag wavy about it. People tend to be a little rainbow flag wavy when they first come out. They tend to sometimes go a little bit overboard with the LGBT kind of frat behaviors. Uh, she'll get over it. She'll get over it. She'll calm down in her own good time. Uh, in the meantime, though, if your mom wants to give her a nudge and a friendly little bit of advice about future employment prospects, uh, not not that being bi and open about it is a problem, but being you know crazy and displaying bad judgment uh, about it could be uh, a problem for her down the road. Your mom should tell her that. Um, but I don't. So I, I, I wish I could have called you back. Wish you'd left a phone number because I'd like to know exactly what you meant by coming out over and over and over again in a dramatic fashion. Because for some straight people, what appears to be dramatic comings out. Uh, when you unpack it, is just the gay, lesbian, bi, or trans person mentioning it in the same way a straight person would mention it, working their sexual orientation into the conversation in the same way a straight person might. Uh, but when we say it, it's a thunderclap and drama. And when you say it, you don't even notice. So wish I could have double-checked that. But covered every base in that response, didn't I? Yes, the tech savvy at risk youth are nodding at me and telling me to move along. So next question. Hi, Dan. Um, I'm the mother of a 32-year-old gay man and uh, we've always been really close. He came out when he was 14. It was no surprise. I've been pretty free with him. Um, I'm from the, age, or the uh, AIDS generation, so I lost four friends, so he knows the routine backwards and forwards. And as long as he's safe, I didn't care. Uh, but uh, he falls in love uh, fairly frequently and gets in these uh, monogamous relationships, and uh, it's great. They're wonderful guys, but after a year or two, if it doesn't fall apart on his own, its own, he sort of self-destructs. And I am having a problem with his new partner, whom I really love, but I'm afraid to bond with. Uh, I'm just, it feels like every time he splits up, I end up in a divorce. And it's really hard when the kids men quit talking to me. So I was just wondering if you had any advice on what I can do to be more open and still protect my feelings. I'm going to tell another family story. I hope you don't mind. Years ago, one of my uncles got divorced after uh, some years with his wife. And, you know, we had all bonded with his wife and she had, they had kids and uh, she was one of the girls. She was one of the aunts. She was part of the family. And he thought that we should all have nothing to do with her because he had divorced her. Therefore, she wasn't a part of the family anymore. And my aunts and my mom were like, fuck you. You can't bring somebody to the family and all of us basically bond with that person and love that person for years and then tell us we're not allowed to talk to that person anymore because you're not in love with her anymore. We're still in love with her. Fuck you. She's our friend. Uh, that's what you have to do to your son. <laughs> when he like brings a guy into your orbit, into your life – uh, and you, you know, welcome him into your home and love him and accept him. Uh, and your son then breaks up with that person barring, you know, domestic violence or some huge searing betrayal where you should be, of course, siding with your son and your first priority should be your son's emotional security, blah, blah. Uh, bar, you know, if it was a relatively amicable breakup, you don't have to cut that person out of your life. You don't have to stop speaking to that person. You can – Email with that person and have lunch with that person and you can invite that person over to your house if you want to. And it might help your son uh, who's young and gay and just coming out. It might help him get to the place where most older gay people are at, which is 
you know, uh, you know, your exes are your friends and uh, guys who have good relationships with their exes are usually good guys. So you want to learn that, – that's a skill you want to acquire as quickly as possible. Now, you know, the no drama breakup with, you know, maybe there's some hurt feelings and you need to take a break from each other and then you're going to run into each other. You're going to be polite and then maybe hopefully soon you can tap into – you know, some of what attracted you to that person in the first place. You, you like them, that there's a connection. It just didn't work out as a romance. Maybe the sex wasn't there. Maybe you know, the person wasn't the, the right partner for you and you guys had to like go off and find different partners. But you can be buddies. And your son may get to that buddy relationship with his exes quicker if mom is pushing the issue, if mom is still buddies with his exes. So he brings a guy around. You fall in love with him. He breaks up with him. You don't have to stuff that boy up the memory hall. You can keep hanging out with that boy. Uh, without being vicious. Again, the caveat, the carve-out, the exception, if that guy was bad to your son, awful to your son, abusive emotionally or physically or in some other way, uh, take your son's side in an ugly breakup but in a relatively low-stress, low-drama parting, I think you should still see those guys, still hang out with those guys, still be their Judy Savage. Hi, Dan. I'm just calling because I was listening to your latest podcast in regards to the woman who is worried about her ex-husband finding out about the Gardasil bill. Um, it's really funny because Planned Parenthood just came up in your talk and Planned Parenthood offers uh, Gardasil. Um, depending on the area you're at, you can actually find out if there's a health center um, in your area just by typing in your zip code by going to the Planned Parenthood uh, website. So I thought that would be important information just to let her know she can do that. It won't be on her ex's insurance and she can make a donation to Planned Parenthood and get that taken care of. And that's why we need places like Planned Parenthood. Hey, Dan. I'm calling about the guy who tore his frenulum while fucking the shit out of his girlfriend. I lived in Ireland for uh, quite a long time, and, you know, which is the land of foreskin. They have a, a great term for what this is. They call it snapping your banjo string. Just thought you'd appreciate that. Hello, Mr. Dan Savage. This is Max. I'm with my boyfriend here, Terry. Hello, my name is Stanley. <laughs> <laughs> I'm calling you. He didn't want me to. I'm calling anyway. Um, we just took your wonderful Valentine's Day advice to fuck before dinner. <laughs> and we are so happy about this because now we are going to go to a late reservation, totally uninhibited and relaxed, eat a really rich uh, meal, have some wine, come back here and pass out this <laughs> week, the perfect Valentine's Day. So thanks so much uh, again for your advice. Love the podcast. And happy Valentine's Day. Bye-bye. And we're going to leave it there. 206-201-2720 is the number here at the podcast. If you'd like to record a question or comment for a future show, please do give us a buzz. Also, please follow me on Twitter at FakeDanSavage. And you can uh, read that Savage Love Letter of the Day every day at slog.thestranger.com or you can have it delivered to your phone by getting the Savage Love app for iPhone or Android. And if you have a comment and you want to make sure it gets out there, go to thestranger.com slash lovecast so it's a comment thread dedicated to every show thanks so much for listening 206-201-2720 that's the number me and the tech savvy at risk youth we're back at you next week another installment of the savage lovecast thanks for downloading